Not your ordinary Monday. It's Reaction Monday. Hashtag MSW. It becomes very simple on a Monday, on Reaction Monday, where we just basically say some have been relegated, others have won the championship, others are in the top eight, others have qualified for Europe, others have qualified for the African CAF competition. So, the beautiful thing is, wherever you are around the country, the world, as well as the continent, it is very simple. WhatsApp voice note number is 0607080484. Let's hear about your weekend experience, whatever sporting code it is. Hey, I see IPL. A bit of a shock that's gone on there, hey? All right, we'll take all that reaction right here on Marawa Sports Worldwide. It is a Monday. Good evening to you and welcome to the show. Live at 947. Equally live on Vuma FM, Rise FM, and on Sowetan Live. You can catch the broadcast live on YouTube. You can post your contribution right there. Talk about posting contribution. We always say we save the best for last because we haven't spoken to him in quite a while. And deliberately so. He's been a very busy man. So Manchester City, Premier League winners for the season 2022-23. I think a season like no other with a World Cup slap bang in the middle of it has ended the same as the past two seasons. It's almost like a rare three-peat of Premier League titles clinched, securing Pep Guardiola's remarkable Manchester City squad a place definitely in history. So when you talk about a remarkable achievement and the title clinched with three games to spare in the season, I mean, it also makes it five Premier League titles in six years. I mean, that's six seasons, a reign of domination, uh, kind of testament as well to Pep's greatness and a squad's relentless determination, will to win. Also emphasizes the squad of players' greatness and also drives to maintain a great deal of success. So Man City's third successive title was clinched. Yeah, I'm sorry, Arsenal fans. Arsenal going down 1-0 to Nottingham Forest at the City Ground on Saturday's late kickoff. I suppose the result that sealed Arsenal's fate for the season and showed that Mikel Arteta's men had finally run out of puff. They did try and keep up that pace, man. But they were quite rampant, Man City. And what a wonderful run as well. So uh, let's head off to the UK. Peter Drury, international football commentator, joining us. Legendary commentator himself. Uh, Peter Drury, thank you so much for your time. Good evening. Welcome to Marawa Sports Worldwide. Robert, how are you? Good evening. I I feel breathless, uh, Peter. It almost looks like and feels like I was the one playing the EPL this past season. What is it like for you, just from a human perspective, having to absorb this great lead that Arsenal had and then right at the end... It's Man City. Yeah, it, it's honestly been a very absorbing season. I think you picked the right word there. Um, Arsenal have, have been fabulous for the narrative. Everybody has enjoyed the way they've played. 
And I think anybody with a, a, a common sense perspective on it um, is disinclined to go along with, with some of what's being said about them bottling it or throwing it away or whatever. They haven't done that. They've, they've massively overachieved. They've, uh, they've pushed Manchester City to within a week, more or less, at the end of the season. And, OK, they've run out of steam. Now. Uh, and it was really actually a bit Nottingham Forest on Saturday when Nottingham Forest, of course, secured their safety in the Premier League with, with that win against Arsenal, who just didn't have enough left in the tank. And the thing about Manchester City's tank is that it, it, uh, it seems never to empty. Um, you know, we saw what was effectively a shadow team yesterday against Chelsea. Uh, and all of the same movement and the same zest and the same poor movement and the same creativity existed, albeit in a slightly artificial atmosphere of truth at all because the, the supporters were there just for the party uh, and there wasn't a great deal of pressure on it. But um, Manchester City, what they displayed yesterday was just remarkable depth of talent. Uh, if you looked at what was on their bench, what was available to them by way of substitutes, it was, it was almost laughably strong. Um, and both this season and in the years to come, they're going to take some keeping up with. I'm glad you mentioned the words what they had as far as the talent on the bench because you could see, I mean, there were smiles. Yes, it was a serious game. It was known the night before that they'd won it. But just to keep alive the competition, Peter, for me, is what Pep Guardiola is all about. Sometimes people criticize and say he denies certain players an opportunity to play. But then how do you keep an entire squad happy? Uh, all the time for various competitions that he has to play. And I think yesterday was testament to just really how well he rotates that squad. Uh, absolutely so. And and he, and he, he's never culpable of this, but he, he, he can't allow sentiment to, to cloud his judgment. It's because he has such focused judgment that he gets these things right, invariably. Um, and that is often in the immediate terms of the detriment of some of the players and the the best example yesterday, I don't know whether you had a, a terrific interview with uh, Calvin Phillips, who of course is a very, very yes. good, strong English field player who, who came from his home city of Leeds, where he was captain, he was the main man, he came to Manchester City, and he spoke yesterday while the party was on, while the medals were being given out, about how it had been one of the hardest years of his professional career so far, because he was barely playing. But he wasn't complaining, he was understanding, he... He saw that uh, he had to learn how to be in that hyper-elite environment, um, and, and he, was, he was relishing the challenge of getting to the level he needs to get to. And Pep Guardiola has made him understand that he, he needs to um, take on board the, the level that is required to be in Manchester City's first 11 week after week. And I thought that was really enlightening. Uh, both It showed both the humility of the but also... The, the brilliant man management of Guardiola to have on side a top, top player who he's not been selecting. Um, and, and that's just wonderful management. Yeah, I mean, you talk about that. He's a player that Leeds United would have used. And you talk about that uh, interview that he had. And, and you reflect back to the game itself because he came pretty close, Peter, to scoring a goal. In fact, it, it was the yeah. woodwork that saved it. Yes, he did. He had a header, didn't he, in the second half. And, and that actually would have been a lovely moment because, um, you know, it would have picked him up and lifted him and made him feel a, a big, big part of it right, right at the, the culmination of it all. Um, and everybody speaks very highly of him as an individual, actually. He, he gets a, 
a lot of love for the, for the way he does um, comport himself. Um, so uh, it, it would have been a very popular goal, um, but it sort of sums up the way the year's gone for him. I, I must say, though, that a year ago, not quite to the same extent, people were saying of Jack Greenish that he hadn't quite caught the City bug yet. He wasn't doing things quite the City way. Uh, and a year on now, he is absolutely central to everything they do. Um, and, and that's just a, another illustration that we're, we're talking about a very high level here, and, and you don't necessarily get to that level away. And I hope for the sake of Calvin Phillips that he follows in Jack Grealish's footsteps and perhaps a, a year on from now, we'll be considering him to be, to be fundamental to Manchester City's first team. What's your outlook? I mean, you look at a guy like Alvarez, Peter, who is a World Cup winner, uh, steps in whatever given time and moment, and he'll convert. He'll score a goal, as he did over the weekend. Yeah, uh, another good example, you know. Um, if, uh, funny enough, when he scored his goal yesterday, I, I in, in my book, asked, asked the question, how many goals would he have scored if there wasn't such a thing as Erling Haaland? Uh, because uh, it's quite clear when he stepped up that he is a, a more than adequate striker uh, at Manchester City's level. And that's the frightening uh, depth and strength that they do have. You know, when Haaland's not there for whatever reason, Alvarez steps in and fills the role uh, terrifically well. He's a beautiful table of course. We all saw him have a wonderful World Cup. He scored four goals, I think, at the World Cup. Um, people, naturally enough, remember the final, but he got two of Argentina's goals in the semi-final uh, against Croatia um, and was absolutely key to, to what they did. He's a super player. Talk about a super player to a super manager. What more does the world say about a Pep Guardiola? What more does the world say about the genius? I, I hear commentators, I hear uh, commentary analysis in studio, Peter, where I think the word genius is used, nothing else. How do you describe it? Well, he is a relentless genius. <laughs> People are looking for a floor, and it's very, very hard to find one. And his record does speak for itself. In his last 14 working seasons, he has won a national title 11 times. Three with Barcelona, three with Bayern Munich, and now five with Manchester City. Um, and, and I suppose the, the only little jive you can throw at him, and it's, it's a pointless, fruitless, and, and frankly rather bitter jive, um, is that uh, he, by definition, at those clubs, gets to coach the very best players. Um, there, there are people, and, uh, and in my view, it's a facile view. There are people out there who say anyone could have won the league with Barcelona. Anyone could have won the league with Bayern Munich, and now anyone could have won the league with Manchester City. That's palpably not true. Um, but, but even if there were a grain of truth in it, um, you, you know, it, it's not his fault that he's so good that he gets given elite jobs. He, he is elite. He deserves to be with the elite players. And I think most fundamental of all, it's clear, it's visible, it's, it's right out there that even the very best players in the world, he improves, you know, and that's the job of a coach, that's the job of a teacher, is to improve players or to improve in, in whatever field of, of life you're dealing with. And Pep Guardiola very obviously improves even the finest players. Uh, and that is remarkable. I was going to say, if you're in an England manager, and you're looking at all these English players that are playing under Pep Guardiola, uh, whether it is Stones, who has had his role uh, revamped, 
number of times. Uh, they start games. They play star-studded games as well. You look at a full fold and he might not start every game, uh, but when he does, you look at a Walker uh, who continues to thrive, gets given the captain's armband as well, is able to play Champions League football as much as he does, gets uh, caught out for pace, has made up for pace. There's a lot of stories that can be written and told about the kind of players that Pep has made or turned into a different role that they can play even at national team here, Peter. So true. Uh, John Stones, as you say, is probably the finest example of that. But it's funny how uh, if the sincerest form of flattery is to copy, uh, it's funny that increasingly you start to see others kind of copy that. You know, um, Zinchenko is a good example, who played at left-back for City and towards the end of his City career started playing in that inverted position, uh, moving from full back into midfield. He goes down to Arsenal and Lo and behold, they're doing the same at Arsenal, um, and, and they're attempting the same things. And, and that, that's not the only example um, of, of what is um, an attempt by others to emulate what Pep Guardiola does. And that, that only, in, in fact, Trent Alexander-Arnold's doing it for Liverpool now, isn't he? For right fullback, uh, you know, a direct rival, a fierce rival, is, is in a sense uh, acknowledging an idea that has first become visible as a, as a result of, of what Pep Guardiola has done at, at Manchester City. So um, he's an innovator. He has fresh thoughts. It's a, it's a really um, tough thing, you know, to have original thoughts. You'd have thought football's been being played for hundreds of years. You'd have thought all the ideas have been used up by now. There's nothing new to do. But this guy, year on year, and in fact week on week, um, comes up with something fresh and, and invariably it works. I'm to touch on something um, after the break, uh, Peter. And what we're going to do is we're going to drop this line, just try and get a, a little bit of a better quality line because there's still a little bit more that I would like to post to you, especially around the likes of Brighton. We've seen Brighton also making a bit of history. Uh, not a bit of history. They made history because it's never happened in their entire existence. Uh, so what has happened this time around to Brighton? Uh, we'll figure it out uh, with uh, Peter Drury. Maybe one or two of your questions as well. You've got an opportunity as well to start posting those through uh, to me immediately. Uh, Peter Drury is an international commentator, somebody who you and I and the rest of the world know very, very well uh, with his most outstanding commentary uh, that he does on football at any level. Chelsea, eh? 12th position. Maybe there's something to speak around that. And as it stands, Leeds United, Leicester, Southampton going to be biting the dust but it is that story of Newcastle. It is that story of Brighton, Aston Villa. Let's not even forget about the likes of Brentford. Yet another season. Not struggling. Not looking over their shoulders to figure out if they will manage to survive. Of course they're surviving. Marawa Sports Worldwide Live. In three, two, one. On 947. Vuma FM, Rise FM. And Soweto Live. Hashtag MSW. I just want to hear your views with regards to the downfall and relegation of Southampton because for me it was a very surprise relegation because here you've got a team that was uh, uh, fighting relentlessly last season 
giving uh, top teams hard time. I think the likes of Man City and uh, Liverpool uh, and I think Manchester United got uh, hiding from Southampton uh, last season, but this season I think cha- things changed. Even after they uh, fired uh, Ralph Hassan Hutler, it seems like it was uh, too little, too late. What could have been the reason for the demise of uh, Southampton? Thank you so much indeed. Uh, chatting to Peter Drury, who's joining us all the way in the UK, looking back at uh, the season that was. Yeah, the league title, the championship won by Manchester City. If you just arrived in the country and you were out of touch with the world. Peter, thanks again for being with us. And uh, Southampton is the question coming through from Deboko. What do you think has led to their demise, rock bottom of the table? Yeah, I, I have some sympathy for Southampton and obviously even more for their supporters because it must be hugely disappointing. Um, I, I think in the end, perhaps the, the problem this year was that their team was a bit young. It was keen um, and it was fresh and some of the football it played, you know, was actually very, very watchable. But um, James Ward-Prowse, perhaps aside, who's a great and experienced professional, of course, there was maybe not quite enough savvy in that team. It didn't quite know its way around the block in the way that uh, some of the other clubs of, of similar size are. But I, I think it's also, I, I know we live in a hugely competitive world where there isn't much sympathy for this argument, but it is a massively competitive environment. And, you know, um, one, of the, one of the notions that always bugs me is when people talk in terms of uh, established Premier League teams. The truth is, only five or six are really established. At the start of every season, 14 of the 20 Premier League teams are essentially playing for the 40 points, or perhaps a little fewer, um, that will keep them in the league. And, and Southampton are always going to be one of those teams where they're in the Premier League. And once in a while, there's a season that just has your name on it. Uh, and sadly for Southampton, that was this season. I looked at the Leicester City, Peter, from champions to where they are right now. Yeah, in a sense, they make the same point, you know. Um, even having been champions as recently as seven years ago, there, there's no certainty about your existence in the Premier League. Uh, it only takes one dodgy season and you're suddenly in real trouble. And they're in real trouble, of course. They go to Newcastle tonight and they need to get something. And, and nobody has e- easily got something against Newcastle United. It's a pity because they've got some, some beautifully talented players. Uh, Harvey Barnes, James Madison, the obvious examples. Um, but, the, but the last vestiges of, of their great uh, Premier League title, seven years ago, are are disappearing. We've seen much less of Jamie Vardy this season. Um, and, and I fear, I fear they may be disappearing out of it. I, I think it's a very tough task for them now. Uh, if they win both their remaining games, it's not impossible. But if they win, they will just about survive. Um, so uh, good luck to them. But it just shows that nothing is forever, you know, and, and bar the very biggest, there is no certainty for anyone in the Premier League. All right, uh, a, a bit of a good news story here. This is good news in terms of a compliment to yourself again, Peter. Tim Ram says, I wanted to let you know that your work as a football commentator is truly remarkable. Your passion and energy for the game uh, make every match a joy to watch. Keep up the great work. Uh, that's Tim Rams in saluting you, Peter. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, as uh, I, I like to say, um, all I am is an enthusiast, and 
uh, if that enthusiasm comes over and, and is genuine and, and self as a, a reflection of how fans everywhere feel, then, then I'm delighted by that. And I'm, I'm really grateful for the compliment. Thank you. Yeah, we echo that uh, every single day here, Peter. Uh, good news story, though. When you look at the Premiership and you look at the Premier League and what it has, there will be those stories. We've talked about Leicester. We've talked about Southampton right down at the bottom of the table. But then there's a certain Brighton owner, Tony Bloom, who is smiling from ear to ear right now because they've never done this in their entire history. Peter, what has changed about Brighton and Hove? Well, uh, funnily enough, the, the great thing about that club is the way it has evolved. Um, and, and you mentioned Tony Bloom and Paul Barber, his chief executive. They have built that club um, in, in a really measured, sensible manner, year-on-year improvement from, from the days of Chris Hooten uh, taking them up from the Premier League and uh, through Graham Potter. And, and there was a suspicion that once Graham Potter left, they... They wouldn't be able to uh, evolve any further, but they have under Deserby. Uh, their recruitment is absolutely fantastic. They are a proper community club. You know, they're still rooted properly whilst they're becoming uh, better and better known globally because of their results. They, they very much uh, stand as, as a part of their constituency, if you like. Um, they, they invest in their people. Uh, but, but what they've been, in terms of competitive football, what they've been so good at, is recruitment, particularly in the South American market. Um, the, the latest, I guess, we've seen is, is the boy in Cito, who's, who's uh, absolutely lit the league up in the last uh, couple of weeks. And, and they really deserve uh, their moment in the sun, you know, uh, more than a moment. You know, they're going to play European football for the first time next season, and, and it'll be interesting to see how they rise to that challenge. I've right, got a question here on the WhatsApp voice note line. Good evening, Mr. Marawa. Uh, good evening to the shareholders. Just one question for Peter Drury. Doesn't he think that Mikel Arteta overused some players? I'm looking at people like Saka, Odegaard, uh, Saliba. They, they, they played almost 99% of Arsenal's matches. Uh, and I don't think that is healthy for a league like the EPL, where speed and physique is very, very um, much part of the game. Anyway, I'm an Arsenal fan, not very disappointed because I never thought we could be in the top four, but because we stayed so for so long on top of the log, we started believing that we could win the title. But anyway, that's it. Let's hope Mr. Teta has learned something. Thank you, Ms. Marawa. Thank you so much indeed. Uh, Peter, what's your view, though? I think he talks about the possibility of overloading certain players and not really giving them a rest. And, uh, you know, 90% of the games, they were not going to make it until the end. Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting measured question, that, And I, I, I respect the point that's being made, uh, particularly in a World Cup season where, where a lot of these top stars really have been overloaded because they represented their countries um, during November and December as well, and it's been a long, long campaign. What I, what I would underline again, though, in defence of Mikel Arteta there, is that he didn't have uh, available to him the resources um, that, for instance, uh, Guardiola did at Manchester City. So whilst we began this conversation by lauding Manchester City, in the context of yesterday's game, in which they were able to play, for the most part, a, a shadow team, Mikel Arteta didn't have that shadow team available to him. He didn't have a, an alternative Saka. He didn't have an alternative Odegaard. They were two of his very best players. And without them, 
Arsenal wouldn't have got the results um, that they did get, which enabled them to, to push Manchester City as far as they did. And, and that, in a sense, is the difference, that the depth. Um, Pep Guardiola can afford to go a couple of games without Kevin De Bruyne because the players he brings in are, if not quite of the same level, very, very close, top-level top players. Uh, Mikel Arteta, if he takes out Saka and Erdegaard, he leaves holes in his team. Uh, and that's where Arsenal have to strengthen. Just a final one, maybe again on a personal level, Peter, uh, before I let you go. What's been the standout moment for you? I mean, you see games week in and week out. Uh, there are those moments, the highs, the lows, whether it's from a coaching perspective, a playing perspective, a fan perspective, whatever it was, what is it that you take away from the season? Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose that the obvious uh, response is going to be around Erling Haaland um, in our league this year just because um, he is a phenomenon. You know, uh, in every dimension, he is bigger, stronger, faster uh, than your average human being, even your average elite athlete, your elite sportsman. Um, he's a, a remarkable figure of a man. Uh, I've really enjoyed his humility. I've really enjoyed his smile. Uh, and I've really enjoyed his goals. You know, he scored all sorts of different goals. Uh, we, we've been really privileged to have him uh, in England and, and to watch him do what he does. And, and what is frightening for the rest of the league is that uh, he's still a very young man and he could keep on doing it for a very long time. Yeah, he and Alfie can keep singing every single day, Peter. <laughs> I want to thank you. I want to salute you. Thank you very much indeed for always being available for Marawa Sports Worldwide. And if we don't talk again before the end of the season officially and post the Champions League and everything else, have a deserved break. Thank you so much, Robert. Always a delight to catch up with you. Thank you for your time. Thank you very much indeed. That's uh, Peter Drury uh, joining us all the way in the UK.